We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone. If only you had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Hi, I'm Hannah Brown and welcome to Better Tomorrow. My absolute favorite thing to do is have a heart-to-heart talk with my new friends and my best friends, where we sit down and talk about all the things like relationships and love, faith and self-care. And of course, the little things as well, like the struggle to figure out what to eat tonight. All in all, I really want to ask, how am I better today than yesterday and bring artists, entrepreneurs, and friends along on the journey? So join me on the journey, will you? Hey, y'all. Welcome back. I'm so glad that you're here. Oh, such a busy time. And it got a little bit busier for me because... Um, I'm recording this before I head out to Los Angeles. I got told, um, I think like on Thanksgiving, maybe the night before that, that Dancing with the Stars wanted to have some of the old champs to come back and do like a fun Christmas dance. And it was a surprise. So if you watched last night for the finale of Dancing with the Stars this season, hopefully you saw your girl, um, as of now, I haven't got there yet. I don't know what to expect. I don't know if I'm just doing like a little five, six, seven, eight, you know, a few eight counts or if it's a whole dance. If it's a whole dance, I'm probably going to be really nervous <laughs> because I have not uh, danced in a hot minute. So we have rehearsals for uh, a f- two days. So I'm, I'm hoping it's more. It's weird because like I don't want it to be like only like one eight count of me, like a spin and then a point to camera, like that would be a bummer. I would love to do like a little bit more than that, but I'm also like, okay. Um, I am not in the routine as I was on dancing with the stars of learning dances in the matter of a day or two. So I am very interested (laughs) to see how that goes. Hopefully you're listening and you're like, Oh my gosh, you killed it, Hannah. It was a little bit more than a five, six, seven, eight, but not a full three minute dance routine. That is, that is my hope. That is where, how I'm hoping I'm coming into today in real time, feeling like it was so much fun and I killed it, but who knows? Um, but that was definitely an unexpected little treat because I am not only going to LA right before the holidays, but I am off today as if you're listening to this Wednesday when it came out, um, 
on my way to Puerto Rico. So we're celebrating a friend's birthday. I've never been, so I hope it's going to be fun. Um, so yeah, maybe we'll get a real tan instead of this spray tan I've got on right now. Um, what else is new? Okay, I really just have to talk about The Golden Bachelor because, oh my gosh. I obviously, you know, am have more knowledge about that world than most because of, you know, being the bachelorette and being on that side. And I texted the executive producer as I was watching the finale last week. And let me pull up what I put in all caps. The first thing I wrote was why then another text, why Gary? And then the next one was, um, first fate. Oh no. The, The next one was all caps, why did he say all those things to Leslie? And then the next one was, first faith, now this. I can't handle it. So, I mean, at this point, it's not a spoiler. Like, I was so shocked that after all the things that he said first to to Faith, you know, she was the top three. I really thought it was going to be Faith and Leslie at the end of the thing because he had told them both on their hometowns that he loved them. And just the way that he was like talking to them as a lead, I remember just trying to be really cautious of what I said. Like I didn't say I love you to any of my guys until it was the last guy there. I said I was like falling in love for sure. But some of the ways that he was saying things, I was like, whoa, that's pretty bold. So I thought he was like totally all in with with Leslie by the way that he had just kind of talked to her the whole time saying, you're my girl and stuff. I was like, Oh my gosh. And so when he broke up with her, I was, I was shocked because I'm like, Gary, you cannot be saying all these things. You cannot do this. He told her that he had chose her and we don't even know what really happened in the overnight, whatever he must've said to her made her 100% sure 100% sure that is uh, it was just so heartbreaking watching her get hurt and I just I loved her the whole time I thought she was like such a strong woman and the way that she was able to articulate herself even in her like devastation how she um just really articulated everything I was thinking because she has been through so much with her relationships like her whole thing was never feeling chosen and he kept telling her and reiterating those things and she kept being a little timid of like hey this is my trauma this is how I've been hurt like I didn't have this you know beautiful long-lasting marriage I had two failed marriages because of not feeling chosen and being betrayed in ways so this is really hard for me and he kept reassuring her that he understood and and affirming the the way he felt about her I was like okay dude what what happened and look it's so hard on that side of things I get it like poor Gary I still love Gary but I was distraught and I had to text the executive producer about it. And I was like, I just love Leslie. I want to hug her and I'm just cheering her on so much. And also she's so hot. Like, how do you look like that at 64? Um, and he just said back, he's like, I know, but the heart wants what it wants. And I also, and I want to say like, I'm so happy for Teresa and Gary. I just feel like 
we have to be so careful with our words. And in that situation, it's unlike anything else. And I have so much compassion for you're just trying to do what you feel like is right in that moment. And maybe it wasn't the, the best way to handle things. And I think we, we know that. But I want to make sure I say that I'm super um, have empathy for all people involved. But it just like broke my heart because I, I genuinely knew he liked Teresa, but I did not think that was the way it was going to end up but I'm really happy for both of them and they seem so sweet and like they're getting married so they are having a live um wedding for Bachelor Nation to watch on January 4th which I'm so happy and I, I love it it's like they they only have like their last years to live together and why wait so I think that is super cool that they've gone all in but even um the EP on the show, one of them was like, yeah, it wasn't how I thought it was going to go, but you know, we're, we're really happy for them. So it all worked out. There's a love story in the end. And I really hope that they do a golden bachelorette. And I'm just going to say like, I want my girl Leslie at first. I was like, okay, my girl faith, I'm going to be so excited for her as golden bachelorette because I thought I just for sure thought that it would be Leslie and him at the end. But Leslie just, She's babe, total babe. I loved that show so much. I'm so excited to con- that and hope they continue to um, have the Golden Bachelor and Bachelorette. I'm just really invested in it and think it's just a sweet and nice change of things to see people with so much wisdom and in real life experience with love and loss share their love story. It's It's really cool. So Wow, sorry, I, had to, I just had to talk to someone about that. I mean, I'm talking to everyone about it, but I had to talk to you guys about my my thoughts. I, I I ended up being like, Adam, please just, I don't know what's about to happen, so I need you to record this because on the date where Gary broke up with Leslie, I was like, something's about to happen because he's acting too weird on this last chance date. So I was like, I need you to put it up. So I have the whole thing recorded of my reaction of being like, what? The crap is happening. Who would have thought these old bucks were going to give us so much drama? Um, it was great, though. Um, but to the episode today, I love our guest, Kate Bowler. I, uh, I just love the way that she is able to... Yes, have gratitude for all the blessings in the world, but also be able to say sometimes life kind of sucks and that's okay and it doesn't go our way. And how do we keep moving forward with hope by all, but also realizing that it's okay that like we hurt, that we're scared, that we're mad at God, that we don't understand. And so we really dive into that to that in this conversation. And, um, I feel like we just really connected. Uh, Kate actually came, uh, here during the holiday season to go to a charity event and invited me to go with her. And like, we've only met through, um, the podcast and I've obviously been a fan of her work. Um, she's written some really awesome books. So that's how we connected initially, but then met for the first time for the podcast. And now, um, she invited me to go to this event with her, with her and I was like, sure. And she's like, wow, I'm really 
impressed that you're going with like almost a complete stranger to this event but I also don't know exactly what's going on and I don't know people here and I'm like it'll be fun I like you I want to like I think when you're meeting new people and you really like them you have to like invest and I'm learning that so much more and in what they have going on and showing up and so I wanted to show up for her like she was showing up for another friend and we went to this party and it was so fun and um, anyway, she's just a great human. And I just feel really supported by her and encouraged by her and like my, my own work. And I want to share what all that she does with you guys. So I think that, um, you'll really love this podcast and the conversation that we have. Um, I don't want to talk too much about it without just like going into it. So I hope you guys just enjoy this conversation with Kate Bowler. I am so excited that Kate Valor is in the house. Yay! <laughs> I'm like, really looking forward to this. I feel like, I mean, I feel like you've made it your mission to make everybody feel like it's okay Aww. to just be as they are and be a human being. And you don't always have to be better tomorrow, but <laughs> we still, like I said, I have to try, but we can just be. Oh, I'm with you in that. Absolutely. But I'm really trying to be optimistic that it's going to be better. Yeah. And if it's not, it's not. <laughs> I always say when I'm talking about like better tomorrow, yeah. I use it as like, I'll, I'm sorry right now. I'll try to be better tomorrow. Lovely. It's not a guarantee, but I we're, like but we like to have conversations that will yeah. at least help us on the way. And I feel like just everything that I've read of yours that, um, has inspired me um, about you does help me get through the days that aren't so great. And I'm just glad that we get to have this conversation because you just, I know, like, I know me saying, you're such an inspiration for your strength and courage. You're like, what? Because <laughs> <laughs> I know your whole thing <laughs> because you're just human. And I'm sure like, yeah, you have things that maybe you weren't as courageous and there are is fear, but the way that you have um, gone through everything that you've gone through that we'll get into and simultaneous, simultaneously, wow, been able to share that with other people through your books. Um, and guys, if you haven't read them, we're just going to go ahead and make sure I say it right. Um, you wrote two books while you were um, battling what you were, you thought was an incurable cancer, colon yeah. cancer stage four, yeah, right? That's right. You wrote two books for other people called everything happens for a reason and other lies I've loved and no cure for being human and other truths I need to hear. I never noticed that the little yeah, parentheses, parentheses love how they went together. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Um, and I got, I found you through your first book and you like talking to everybody about that. But now in that moment, you thought you had incurable cancer, yeah. but now you're here cancer free. So how does that all yeah, feel? Yeah, what's going on there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> really. Well, cause it's been, um, it's, it is so the roller coaster of life is sort of just never lets you off. Mm -hmm. And I started writing mostly because. Well, entirely because I, I got a stage four cancer diagnosis in September and I thought I was going to die by June. And I thought, well, 
um, I guess it's time to like put all my cards on the table. Like, what do I really believe? Didn't I sort of hope that life was going to be easier than this? Mm-hmm. Uh, aren't I actually like kind of angry, honestly, at God? Because I was pretty, I know you're not to be like, I was really great, but I was like pretty great. (laughs) (laughs) You're just like, had I participated in, you know, terrible crimes against humanity, I'd be like, fine. Yeah. And I was like, I thought I, I thought I did what I was supposed to do. And then life hands me this. So for the first year and really so much of the time about being sick is just you being bored in hospitals. You think it's going to be some like existential fight against like a Rocky montage and it's instead like filling out paperwork or Mm -hmm. sitting in waiting rooms. So I wrote that book, everything happens for a reason and other lies I've loved because it was this, it was like the sweetness of the lies that I was trying to really think through. And if I could reckon with my life more honestly, then maybe I could learn how to live like that. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of what the writing became was how do I learn to live like this? Whatever this happens to be. And for the first two years, it was just like high drama surgeries all the time. And then it became the more boring parts about being sick where people don't know you're sick and your hair grows back. Then they go, you look so great. And you're like, thanks. My life is horrible. Quietly. Yes. <laughs> and, then, and then eventually I was like kind of doing OK. Yeah. And in all of it, I guess what I've, I've been trying to practice is how do I learn how to speak more honestly about the life that I'm really living and how maybe do I have any tools to help other people do that too? And that's what I find so refreshing because um, there's like this self-help or like Christian book culture that everything's always like somebody will tell a story of a hard time, but there is always this like beautiful bow at the end. That's not really how life is. And that's, when I like, kind of discovered your writing, it was like, um, yes, I know that I'm, I'm getting better yeah. through all this. Like it's, life is teaching me something, but I really didn't want to be taught this lesson. <laughs> so you said it perfectly. I, this was not one that I, this was not a course I signed up for that I was interested yes, in. Exactly. So, <laughs> you know, this is entirely, yes, we are of the same heart and yes. mind. Like there's exactly. been a lot of things that I'm like, when people ask like, would you go back and change your, like the regret? Like, do you regret, any, regret anything? I'm like, yeah, there's something well, I would, I would probably go back and I don't even want to go really go back to that place. But yeah, I, I don't know if I would love, I loved everything that happened. Yes. There were so many get, yes, there were so many great, like that's yeah. our culture. It makes us do that. And the we reason can't say, why we can't even just like say it. I mean, and I just love that you yes. just said, oh, oh, no, no, no. I definitely have regrets, yeah. which people hate. hate the only that. correct response is, but it made me who I am today. Yes. And that's apparently spoke like supposed to stick the landing on. I mean, it could be anything. Yeah. But I, I do think that we've got these. And I think the language that really helps me is I, I realize that so much of the difficulty of about being honest is that we have really tight cultural scripts about what we're supposed to say, women in particular, and the the the, the sort of last notes of that song always have to be gratitude, no matter what. <laughs> I learned everything, no matter what. I could never possibly go back, no matter what. <laughs> and that everything is always nothing is wasted. Everything is always leading to something. And I I think trying to say that 
two things at the same time feels almost impossible. That one, that we almost always find something kind of precious, like this mm-hmm. little glittering gem in the rubble of the crap of our lives. And also most of it might be useless or we wish we could skip. Mm-hmm. And I would love it if that were kind of more culturally acceptable to say. I was going, I, I, I was thinking about that because and wanted to ask you what you thought about, I feel like sometimes when you see people be really honest about how they are, you get people, first of all, look at you like you're crazy in person. Or if you do it on social media, it's like, okay, we know you went through something bad. Can you get over it now and start pay, uh, posting pictures of sunsets? I feel that way. Sometimes I'll talk about like, um, I've definitely been on a journey with my mental health and I'll have people be like, okay, we get it. Can you like, oh, you know, and I, yeah. I why are we like that? I guess it's just like, why as a culture are we like that? Because yeah. I can also see there's maybe sometimes I've internalized that for other people, even though I'm obviously going, I've, I've been on the other side that kind of sucks. And it's like, oh, so I can't be that honest. You really just like when I post cute pictures of me and my boyfriend or now my fiance and yeah. my dog. And yeah. that's what you like, totally. but not actually totally my me. real self. Yeah. And also an unfinished problem because someone out there is like TikTok. Yeah. I I think there's certain kinds of problems that we have an especially low tolerance for. Mm-hmm. Um illnesses we can't see. So that includes all mental illness. Um anything where you're not like holding we have a prop cast on like <laughs> at a neck brace. You're like, oh it might not it might not be that bad. Um emotional pain. And that goes for like the breakups and sadness of all kinds mm-hmm. the loss of friends it could be acute grief it could be moving somewhere and missing people or and feeling lonely i mean any emotional pain we can't see and i think especially uh problems we can't immediately imagine the end of so anything that's because this is partly why i started saying to myself because i had chronic cancer and it was like for years and years and years and they'd be like how are you and i'm like still have cancer <laughs> kind of like embarrassing it i'm like it's still it's still there sorry that that's boring because you already have that information but i started saying like life is a chronic condition Mm. and we're we're all in the middle of something and it's much harder to explain being in the middle than it is to sort of when you when we always want to be at the beginning or the Mm -hmm. end i'm going to ask you about the before and after i think the like the middle is where all the mess happens and where yeah. it kind of sucks, but there are some gems, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and those make it all worth it. <laughs> I just love that you talk about that because I'm like it it get, it gives me the freedom, yeah. and I think a lot of other people to be like, oh, this fucking sucks, totally, and I'm tired of just being grateful. We are full of people s- selling selling a cure Mm -hmm. and i think it's it's really i mean like gratitude for example when i was in the thick of the hardest part of not making sure like not being sure if every choice i was making was a life or death choice this surgery that surgery will i die on the table will i just dramatic awful things all the time i kept a big whiteboard over my um fireplace and i would write every lovely 
tiny bit of grace that I had been given Mm -hmm. a kind nurse, like I gummy worms from the, you know, waiting room. I just, every little thing that I needed to add up to something beautiful. And that's been, those moments have been Mm -hmm. gifts being able to recognize the lovely things that are in our life is, is a way that the the present gets given back to us, even when the future is absolutely terrifying. On the other hand, those are strategies. They're not solutions to the problem of being a person. And if there were a cure for all of this, for despair and grief and ultimately death, we would have found it by now. So it's just us. It's just Mm -hmm. us mucking around. But this hyper positive thinking culture is mostly honestly because the health and wellness industry is a $12 billion a year industry. And they wouldn't be selling it to us if they didn't want us to buy it. So when we stop buying things, I think we'll feel a little less like we're one facial cleanse and juicing recipe away from. But I think there's like this piece that uh, can come over you and it's like there real, really is yeah. no cure for life happening to yeah. me. And sometimes it just happens and I didn't manifest it. No, no. Um, it just happens. The, the good and the bad. That's, that's it. That's it. And like most of what will define our life happens to us, not through us, not just to us. Mm. And it's us learning to respond with love and compassion and whatever grace we can find that, that all that, that then defines our character. Mm -hmm. So, but that's different to say than to say, well, we can only control our response and therefore like we have all the power. We actually have very little power, but what little power we have is, is it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. It really is. There's one thing that I heard you say about what gratitude is for you. It's like something you said, like it was, it's the glue that sticks all the good things together is something I might have butchered that, but I love that because it's, it's just reminding like, oh, today, today I woke up and I had a good, my tea was really great. Yeah. That's it. Like just, or the person at the counter selling makeup was really nice. And hold on to those things when life sucks, but it isn't like, that doesn't cure anything. Yeah. It just makes it a little bit more bearable. Is that why I do gratitude in some way? Or do you even yeah, say I do. you do? Yeah. yeah. I, I guess I just think of it like it's small math. It's like small, good math. Mm. And like it, it really does add up to something. And I mean, you know, if, if a day was like a bad, bad day and it was, you know, eight hours of chemo and it was health bills I couldn't afford. And if you add all that stuff up, the math of what's hard is those are big numbers. Mm-hmm. So I needed something in the other column. <laughs> and it turns out that it's, it's always the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's beauty. It's people being hilarious. It's the nurse I had that used to let me pretend that he was a vampire and that when I left that he used my blood for his own purposes. <laughs> and I thought it was so funny. That's awesome. And he would like really creepily stroke my vein when he would take the blood draw. Like, he like really like, went for yeah, it. Yeah, he did. And he was like, he always made it seem like he was like glad when I left the room because he just wanted his alone time. <laughs> <laughs> that made my whole day. Yeah. 
So it's just the same thing. It's just jokes and delicious food and people who love you. Yeah, love. I, yeah. Just putting it together. Yeah. But we're all just putting it together. I mean, anyone who thinks that they've got it mapped out is just honestly having a moment, a wonderful season of luck. And when people are in that season, I, I want to be like, bless you. There are these seasons where we get it, like wind in our sails. Mm -hmm. And if, if anyone's in that moment, they, they, they should not feel bad. Like it is a gift. Mm -hmm. But when it ends, I don't want that same person to then wonder what it was about them that caused them to crash. It's just being a person again. Mm -hmm. Where my engaged girls, congrats, you're engaged, so am I. Now you may be like me wondering what's next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about is Zola. Zola has everything you need to plan your wedding in one place, including venue options and all your vendors. Plus, you can get designs, save the dates and invites, build a free wedding website, create your registry and stay on track and on budget throughout the entire process with their free planning tools. Zola has created everything you need to make the whole process super easy and hopefully actually enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or on the couch. Look, I have just now opened the can of worms of all that is wedding planning, but I'm so thankful for Zola because it can help make wedding planning so much easier for all of us engaged girlies. We need to be having fun. We need to be excited. It doesn't need to be a stressful process. And I feel like Zola can really help us engaged girlies enjoy this time of our life because we are celebrating the love that we have created and this beautiful new chapter in our life. And we do not need to be crying over napkins and invitations. So Zola's got us covered. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I have been in a really awesome season, but also a season that has been pretty stressful. There's been a lot going on. Um, I can see where some of those things that really keep me grounded Um I have not been able to make time for and not know how to do that. And so it's been weighing on me a little bit. And look, we all carry around different stressors that can be big or small, but when we keep them bottled up and don't talk about like what's going on in our life, it can really affect us negatively. So therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest to really talk about what you're going through and figure out a way to work through whatever that is that's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no just charge if like you're just not feeling that connected with somebody you can always try it again get it off your chest with better help visit betterhelp.com slash tomorrow today to get 10% off your first order that's betterhelp help.com slash tomorrow although I'm not there yet myself I know a lot of you listening have children and want to set up your child for success 
So IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Oh my gosh, I wish I would have had IXL when I was going through school because I really needed that extra help just to like get things implemented into my brain so that I could really know what I was learning and not just be like, I don't know, I had a good memory, but I don't think I actually learned something, but that's really through repetition. And I feel like IXL is wonderful for that. I think this is such a wonderful product for anybody who's like just struggling with a topic or just trying to get ahead, study for a test. It really can help in so many ways. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And Better Tomorrow with Hannah Brown listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash Hannah Visit IXL.com slash Hannah B to get the most effective learning program out there for the best price. You have now all this insight, but what were you like before the diagnosis? Like what did you spend your time to spend your time doing? What did you think your purpose was? Is the same as it is now? Like, obviously a lot changed and was not in the plan, but what was the plan? (laughs) Yeah, The plan was, uh, nerddom forever. My dad's a historian. My mom's a music professor. All I ever wanted to do. Like we have so many books in my family home that there's just like those sad unsanitary bathroom libraries. We were like, someone needs to do something. This is not, (laughs) this is no longer safe for us. I just, I love books. I just wanted to be a professor. And so I was, but I was really ambitious about it. I was going to do everything right. And I was happy to suffer for it because I thought I just put in, you just put in your time and it's all adding up. And then someday I was going to have like a office with a turret and gargoyles and all these grateful graduate students who thought it was amazing. And, you know, and I, and then, and then some of it started happening. Mm-hmm. I got my dream job. Like I married my high school sweetheart. I was like, I was crushing it on my Instagram life. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, uh, and then I was, you know, like the first person in your friend group where the bad thing happens and you're mm-hmm. just, I couldn't believe it was me. I, I couldn't believe that it was, I was like 35. I had a brand new baby and I was like, oh no, I, now I, okay. So I died at 35. And that the thought of it just exploded my sense of self because I thought, and this was untrue, but I thought, wasn't I working my way into something special? Wasn't I special somehow? And that, giving that up, giving up being special was just awful. Mm-hmm. Being as special as everybody else is the friggin' worst. <laughs> I know. I still try to tell. I'm like, I am special. I am. But. But then yeah. I'm like, yeah, I still think I, I still want to, I still want to believe that. Do you still believe that no, about totally. yourself? I, yeah, well, you, you, no, it, it, it like, it did something. It did something. And part of it is good. And part of it was bad. The bad part was I 
I was treated so badly in the diagnosis process where it was, I mean, by the time I made anybody pay attention to my symptoms, it was already stage four because they didn't. So you knew there was stuff going on. Yeah. And I, I mean, I. Was it like your stomach pain? Yeah. Okay. I begged, I pleaded. I, but the only reason I ended up getting the scan that showed my cancer was that I screamed at a human man in a doctor's office. Yeah. Which felt very not Canadian. And I was so compliant. Nice and I was like, always- hey guys, <laughs> I'm in debilitating pain. Um, yeah. But I, so I think by the time I got, by the time I found out what exactly was wrong, I really did feel worthless. So when it was so bad, it, it like confirmed something in me that shouldn't have been confirmed, which was that I was disposable. Mm. And that feeling is something I see and I saw in, in other people who had, who like walked a hard road. And that bit is like, it's hard to undo. That bit needs everybody to be like, no, you really are. Mm-hmm. The world would be so different without you. You are a delight and a gift. You know, like that part was wrong. And that's taken a bit. But the part that was right was that I was humbled. I thought I was like climbing a ladder to somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out I wasn't. Yeah. Or the, God just took the ladder and was like, nope. oh, no rungs. Yeah. Cool. How, how do ladders work then? Yeah. So trying to give up on believing that I am special, that I'm an exception to the rule that life happens to all of us. Mm-hmm. That, cha- that changed my life. Yeah. And so. you're still. <laughs> I don't love it. <laughs> but, but then was there I'm a part it. of you? And maybe this is not the right question to ask, but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> uh, I also, I kind of hate doing this, but this is a way that I guess I try to empathize and the world tries to do it. Be like, I understand. I don't understand, yeah. but I don't understand. But I think I was so young when I had, um, I had like these intense stomach pains mm. and I remember it was same. It, I, that's what so sucks about like, Mm-hmm. the medical mm-hmm. everything in america is like it takes so long for somebody to actually believe you but my mom i think yelled at someone and finally got everything um to find out like yeah i had a malignant tumor and i needed care immediately and i was but then i i guess yeah. then i did feel spe- special but yeah. i was lucky or i survived or i didn't have to go through chemotherapy and I really hate when people are like, oh my gosh, you had childhood cancer. I'm like, I don't, that's not, no, because I don't want to be put, I didn't go through all the pain I could have gone through. It was really scary. And my parents had to talk to the oncologist that was like, yeah, your daughter has a tumor on her pancreas that is filled with malignant cells. And we don't know if we can get it out. Like that oh. sucked. I was sick. But then... I'm fine. Uh-huh. Now uh-huh. you're, I know I quote, you, sur- you're, yeah. you survived the uncurable. Yeah. Is there something in you that feels like, oh, maybe all the great stuff yeah. I did saved me <laughs> because yeah. we're in that process. I think that kind of gets to the prosperity gospel yeah. of like, just like our life of like, if I've done all these good things, I might go through this bad thing, but I'm going to survive but then on the back side of that i know people 
that were also really good people, also other children that were around me that their cancer got worse and they died. And so there's like this thing that I think we're all trying to balance of like, yeah, want to hold on to, yes, I'm special. And yes, something that I did matters and the way that I talk and the to, about myself and other people and the way that I pray and the way that I serve the Lord all adds up to something. But then when you do that, you discount the people are the alternative that could have been my life that mm-hmm. how now do you look at that? When I was in my 20s, I spent most of it interviewing people who were trying to preach the solution to illness, to poverty, to family mm-hmm. alienation. They, you know, the prosperity gospel, the, God, the idea that God wants to make you healthy, wealthy, and happy, and which is the dominant spiritual theology of about. Well, it's about 60% of churches over 10,000. So the, of the biggest churches, it's the most popular thing that you're going to hear. Mm-hmm. And I spent most of my 20s ruining family vacations, traveling around with a little clipboard, interviewing the, the preacher and interviewing people in the pews. I spent, I guess, so much time with people who were saying the right prayers who'd spent a lot of money, who traveled long distances, who were extremely, in my opinion, like very spiritually brave people to even ask for cures for things Mm -hmm. that felt impossible. And I, I mean, I sat with people in wheelchairs desperate for, to walk again with parents who just lost their kids at funerals, at prosperity gospel funerals, which are, in my opinion, the saddest the saddest ritual in the world is saying is having to grieve something that they had just one second before said was impossible. And so I, I feel like I just have all of those stories in me about people who did all the right things. And so when I did all the right things and it still happened to me and now I'm doing really, really well, I guess what I try to hold in that thing is that one little space, is that thin space between the idea that everything is possible, which is prosperity gospel or health and wellness or everybody's recent cousin with an essential oil program that <laughs> <laughs> we're so happy for. Um, and then the other side that we also can't do, which is that nothing is possible. And that is the place of despair and the place where we then don't know what our actions are for. And then we wouldn't even know how to try anyway. And I think that space between is something more like what is possible today? And that is a good place. That is a place of the words that I love are limited agency. If agency is what we can do, we have limited agency. But we still, I mean, but in there is still possibility. Yes. And anyone who's like committed to some kind of fitness program knows like these tiny incremental things can become something amazing. But trying to sort of, I think trying to land all of our hopes on such a small runway is hard. Mm-hmm. And I think we end up getting kind of stuck between a lot. I, so I, I'm constantly in the everything is possible. 
I'm like a new year's nightmare. I have like 20 new resolutions. I'm like <laughs> constantly obsessed with my own perfectibility. And then I'll pitch back into like, well, I guess nothing is possible. So I'm that. <laughs> I'm that. Today is about looking for new ways to better ourselves. But sometimes that means looking in a totally different place or even a different state. In South Dakota, travel is transformative. It's good for the soul. It's the kind of place to just let go, to escape from routine and predictability of life, to put down the phone and pick up a sense of adventure and to see the world a little bit differently, as in not through our screen. Life in South Dakota is about unplugging from it all and connecting with the world around you. It's about being open to real surprises and treating your senses to a real, raw, natural beauty that doesn't need a filter. Whether you're exploring the mountains and trees of the Black Hills, hiking through the Badlands, navigating the wild towns, or camping under the stars, South Dakota is the place to get a little lost and find yourself along the way. See why there's so much South Dakota, so little time at TravelSouthDakota.com. Real change happens when you're consistent and achieving the hair of your dreams is no exception. Thanks to Vegamore, sticking to your hair routine has never been easier, so you actually see the results you've always wanted. When it comes to seeing results, the key is consistency, y'all. With a monthly subscription to Grow Hair Serum, Vegamore makes it easy to stay consistent. Plus, you save more and never run low on the products you need to take care of your hair. Vegamore products are 100% cruelty-free and never formulated with potentially harmful chemicals like parabens or hormones. For the best results, use a minimum three months for visibly fuller, healthier, and thicker-looking hair. Fun fact, Vegamore sells one bottle of Grow Hair Serum every 15 seconds on their website. That's how good this stuff is. You guys know I love Vegamore so much. I have seen so much improvement in my hair because of using their products. They really are that great. Um, I like the Grow Hair Serum because I can use it on my hair when it's wet or dry. So it just helps me stay consistent depending on if it's a wash day or not. Elevate your hair wellness routine this year with Vegamore. For a limited time, get 20% off your first subscription order by going to vegamore.com slash Hannah B and use code Hannah B at checkout. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash Hannah B. Use code Hannah B to save 20% on your first order. Do you think it's God's desire to bless us? Or like, what is God's yeah. desire for our life? Because I think that is in that in between. But what is it that he's wanting for us and from us? Yeah. Yeah. And and blessed is such a perfect word because it gets so loaded in our culture with like Instagram hashtag blessed. There can be the version where we've kind of shellacked it with so much shine that we can't actually then say like, what are we really asking? What, what is God asking from us and what are we even trying to do with our lives? Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like the blessing language is so helpful for me because it lets us try to practice answering that question. Like, so what does God want from us and what should we do with our lives? Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, so much of what we've been talking about is like practicing cultural and spiritual honesty. Mm -hmm. So I think honesty is a start. What then in our limitation are we then pulled into doing? I do think that we're, we're 
called to love and serve. Like, and most of it will be very boring, mm-hmm. <laughs> but like we are, our, our awareness shouldn't be the, the final goal is, um, I just laugh because, uh, so much of the stuff that I read in self-help books is just trying to make me more and more aware of myself, mm-hmm. but it doesn't do like the next chapter, which is like, well, great, cool with all this awareness. Then like, what am I for? Mm-hmm. We're for love. Mm-hmm. We're for like being in in a web of love with other people and carrying the weight of their dumb lives too. <laughs> so it's not just my dumb life. <laughs> so it's so funny, but like all of this is trying to pull us into changing us. Mm, and most yeah. of it I think will be because other people need us too. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I'm kind of in that to admit, I, I think I never was aware and now I'm like fully aware of everything. And I don't like where I'm like, I'm very self-aware of the things. And I'm not trying to wear that as a badge of honor. It's like now, I've, now that I'm aware, how do I yeah. now believe? Where do I go? Yeah. What do I do with this mess? And to really be able to say, now that I know all the things I know about myself yeah. and have accepted that, to feel like God still is like, Oh, but this is what now, this is all that I want you to use now. Yeah. There's like a, yeah. that part of awareness is important. But like you said, it's like, now that I know all this, how can I use my unique yeah. crap yeah. to actually help in some way? I mean, I, there's a perfect theological word for that exact experience. And I like it when I think about limited agency that we can change a little bit, but if we really want to, but also just what you're describing, which is that like, but we are, we are made to be changed. Like the transformation is also like little blobby worm to butterfly. Like we're, we're, we are also on this earth to, to become more. Mm -hmm. And like the word is sanctification is like, it's the refining, making, transforming, making. I mean, we're supposed to be kind of made more beautiful in love. Mm-hmm. So I want to be sanctified. Like it sounds, it sounds a lot more boring than I'm. I'm hoping it's going to be. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> I want to be like lovely mm-hmm. in how I know how to be useful to mm-hmm. other people in this life. But I also want to get to the place where I feel like. I know I'm not lovely yet, but I'm still worth a, the, a person that I can still reach my hand down and yeah. I can't save someone, but I'm, yeah. I can bring them on a journey yeah. to, or be there for their, theirs. And I don't have to be any other way than just me. Yeah. That's a hard, that's hard for me to get that's to good. just. That's good. huh? Believing. Yes. I, I want to. Be sanctified, I guess. Is that, was that how you say that? <laughs> uh, but I'm not fully there yet. No. But that's... I don't, okay. And I don't think we get anywhere. I think we just keep doing... Is this just it? Yeah. This- <laughs> I don't think we get... I don't even, I think we get there. Weirdly, because there are a bunch of religious groups that I studied where they, they're called perfectionists and they're like, done. And I was yeah. like, oh, that must be nice. <laughs> Tell me how that goes. You've studied a lot about religion. You grew up religious, mm-hmm. I'm assuming. Yeah. Right? Christian. Yeah. Is there anything 
that while you were studying, searching, that you were taught to believe is true, that you found maybe wasn't? And how did you not freak the freak out? (laughs) (laughs) I'm hoping that's a no, but... That's so great. I don't think I've ever been asked that question and I really like it. <laughs> not that's that so way. Funny. Not that, not. Yeah. Not no, because well, I, I grew up a kind of a, in a funny, um, sorry to this particular religious group, but I grew up in a pretty weird religious group called Mennonites and they're constantly making furniture and baking things. What's the difference between being Amish and yeah, Mennonite? They're like theological cousins. Okay. It's kind of So same, it's like same. a Baptist and Methodist person? Are they, are they theological? You're like, they're actually totally different. Well, these ones both have a reluctance to embrace the modern world. Okay. And, uh, but still mostly do. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and it's kind of like being part of a tribe because it's like an, we would say ethno religious group, but it's like an ethnic group and a religious group. So mm. they've got like a language and their own food and oh, their own cool. jokes. And I like it. Yeah, I do. Um, so I, I grew up in a religious world that was, that had a bubble and the bubble was really, it was fun in there. Um, it was seamless. So nice to live you know, in bubble. the bubble was great. Safe. <laughs> <laughs> it was. And I, and that, and that has like a, I don't know. It has like a familiarity to it. I still, I, and I, I love those communities so much. And I'm, I feel really grateful that I got to grow up inside that feeling of, of people who know each other's stories. But the thing that I, I guess I have changed the most in is maybe because I became a scholar of religion is I'm constantly in other people's bubbles watching them do things that are mm-hmm. almost not always very familiar to me and they're always weird and every there's so much weirdness <laughs> they're always weird oh man every group is so weird yeah. my group included <laughs> but every group is weird and um i think that's made me realize that there's every group has some stuff i really wish we could skip and they almost always have one sort of superpower i was going to ask you if there was like a group that you studied that you were like, you ever felt like, oh, they have it yeah. more figured out than everyone else? Or oh. does everybody just kind of have their stuff? Well, you're like, no, it's so one. weird. I mean, I'm just thinking, I, I really like different, like, for example, if my life is genuinely going like fully off the rails, mm-hmm. I can't go to a very proper church because I will get a very proper prayer. And I'm not interested in a very proper mm-hmm. prayer at that moment. You don't understand how life, my, how bad my life is. So I like going to the ones who go for gold where they're just like, like, uh, so certain kinds of Pentecostals, for example, mm-hmm. they're like, who knows what can happen? I was like, great. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see what we can do. <laughs> so that religious tradition, I love, I love for prayer. Other ones are way better if you say like need a meal plan and, um, your family wants lasagna for two years, then you should become, you should join a, like a Methodist or a Presbyterian. Baptists are great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love. Or, um, you know, my Muslim friends are super good at the regularity of their prayer mm. and they're like on it done. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, you oh, really are praying for me. This yeah. is great. So I've, I think the gift has been in learning to be outside my own bubble mm. and kind of being able to borrow from bits. Isn't that, it's scary, but I also think, and I want to know what your th- your thoughts on this are. I have a lot of friends, especially like in LA, would say like, 
all different religions are, we're all pointing the same direction, just on a different boat. Do you think that's true? No. No. <laughs> I don't. Right? No. It's not. No. And that's partly. It sounds great. It does. But that's because we don't know enough about other people's beliefs. <laughs> and if we did, we'd be like, wow, that's really different. It's different. And you just, if someone feels like they're the same, just ask five more questions. <laughs> but is it that, I think that that's the scary part too. It's yeah. to be like, oh, we're so different. How can we be in yeah. community together? But there is a way. I mean, there are all kinds of things that people can come to really beautiful agreement about, um, about the nature of God, about community, about justice. Um, but in most of the particulars, well, it really depends which group, but I, it is, that is one of my favorite things about being a scholar of religion is looking at the fact that because people have been woven through different stories over the centuries, mm -hmm. that we really do disagree about many, many, many things. And learning about the disagreement, I think, is is where good conversation and also mutual understanding is built. Are there still things in what you believe that it you have like a hard time? Yeah. Actually, like, like I say I believe this, but this is really hard. I ha I feel like I have that. And there's some things that I'm just like, God, I don't understand why you want it this way. It doesn't make that much sense to me. Yeah but I'm just going to trust you. But I still don't understand. I don't know if I, I don't know if I agree with that God, which is <laughs> totally, also like totally. so ridiculous. I don't think any of us have it fully figured out. No. And no. part of that gives me a little peace. Also lots of anxiety because I'm like, but which wait, one's wait, the wait, best? Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, exactly. Show me the right answer. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. if nobody knows. <laughs> I teach at a divinity school. And so we've got a faculty of maybe 50 different people and who have 50 different sets of beliefs. Um, but we're pretty close. But the differences actually do bring me a lot of comfort. It's because mm -hmm. we don't um we don't make tests for each other. There's no I, I've never been in a faculty meeting where people like started picking on the particulars of other people's differences. Mm-hmm. There's just 50 unbelievably smart people. And if I really wanted to know more about that thing, I can go knock on their door. And that is my version of like the kingdom of heaven. I was about to say. Pretty smart people who are quite kind. Quite kind and acknowledge what other people believe to be true. And it, that, that doesn't mean that it discounts what they believe. Yeah. And they show up with food when I'm sad. So that's where we need to go if... if it's right. cancer. It's, right. it's Durham. Come on down. I want to, I do want to ask you about, maybe not death. Do it. But about when you uh, have, you are told that death is upon you. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all know it is, but like, yeah, but then given, we forget. Yeah, we forget. But then later. to be like really told, like, yeah, no, you have an incurable cancer. Um, you read, I mean, I, I think of this song by Tim McGraw, like the live like you were dying song. Yeah. What? I think there's that. And then there's also, I think there can be a lot of other ways to, yeah. to handle that type of news. And I don't think it's always like making bucket lists and checking them off. Yeah. But what was your instinctual reaction yeah. to that type of news? And like, did you go into action? Yeah. Did you? grieve or were you making the bucket list 
Totally. Totally. It's so <laughs> funny you brought up the Tim McGraw live like you were dying. Because I'm like, you know what happens when you're dying? Paperwork. You know what <laughs> yeah. happens when you're dying? It's, it's like, when did... <laughs> Did he just not do the paperwork? I know. And go ride that bull? There's so many logistics to being miserable. Yeah. It's, um, I guess, I guess it was, I guess it really was all of the above. I, I mean, the most vivid memories I have of that are right when I would wake up, I would forget that I was dying and I'd have to remember all over again. And I couldn't, I, I genuinely couldn't believe it was me. Mm-hmm. It felt like it, it had to be a mistake because you're in, because you're, you're only in your own body. Like, and you can't believe that your body is somehow like not being controlled by your like will and your heart and your love. You're like, you don't, I can't be dying. I have stuff to do and these people need me. So that felt that kind of grief felt like a tidal wave. I, I mean, I mean, I had to make a lot of rules, honestly, to manage the grief. Mm-hmm. No sad songs. You know, no Taylor Swift after 7 p.m. <laughs> like, don't answer the question, how are you? <laughs> Just like, you'll tell them by accident and then the day's over. That is, <laughs> so that is me all the time with just my brain and yeah. mental health. I'm like, Please don't ask me how I am. <laughs> I'll tell you. I will tell you. <laughs> and then my day will be worse. <laughs> and then your day will also. And both our days will be bad. Be good. But you're like, yeah. Do I need to call someone? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I so the grief was sometimes overwhelming. Um, and and I do still sometimes, to be honest, feel confused about really like if I'm okay or if other people are okay. Cause I just have so many people in my life who have, who are sick. And because of the nature of my work, a lot of people reach out. And so sometimes I, I'm like, Oh my gosh, is the whole world dying is a thought that I have more often than I would like. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you this one because I find this really annoying about cancer when people are like, it's like the fight of cancer. Yeah. You fall. It's like, when people get on the other side of cancer, like you fought so hard. So does it mean the person that died didn't fight? Yeah. Why do we do? Why do we say things like this? <laughs> why do we win and lose? Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, cancer sucks. And yeah. like, let's put it on cancer, but not on the people of how hard they fought. Yes. Right? Yes. Or that, And that's the, I think the biggest feeling of being the one that's sick is you do go from that language of feeling like you're losing the fight to, I mean, I don't think I had a stronger feeling than that. I was a loser that because I mean, I was something awful is happening, not just to me, something awful is happening to everybody Mm -hmm. in my life. My illness is extremely expensive. I'm ruining all the children's birthday parties. (laughs) I, officially nightmare with small talk i mean like i'm the round robin of terrible <laughs> so it was just i mean yeah i i felt absurd you know so every time someone's going through something awful whether it's something people recognize as sad like cancer or not i'm always like oh i know the feeling of like i'm the bad thing mm-hmm. and that's a strong that's a strong it's a lie 
but it's a big feeling to to get over or ever just be okay with yeah i require you require a lot more you require help was that hard to be able to receive it's horrible yeah i'm very helpful i would like to help you hannah yes (laughs) i would like to be helpful i would not like to be helped i like to prove to you that i am competent Mm-hmm. and have it together please don't know more than that yes <laughs> please don't see my house so please also don't ask me anything right now because i'm not going to help you right like <laughs> yeah i was really good at looking invulnerable mm-hmm. and cheerful i wanted to be like the best Even sad person through... ever yeah the... so is that why you wrote do you feel like you wrote the books to be able to tell the real truth i was lying i mean honestly i lied to everybody in my life consistently because i wanted to be lovable again wanted mm-hmm. to be not the sad horrible thing or so, make it better do everything yeah. you could in your yeah you can't change the cancer but you can change your how you are bearable with it yeah when I my guess. family i mean when everyone in my life read my books they were like oh and i was like well i've really pulled that off yeah <laughs> i you read a you wrote book i guess two books through a really hard part part of your life. I feel like I, when I wrote my book, not as helpful, um, but <laughs> I think I processed, I was processing for the first time I, when I wrote my book. And yeah. I think there, there's a lot of vulnerability in that, but then it's like looking back, it's not that I'm, I'm grateful, but that's where I processed yeah. for the world, for anybody to have I guess and there's an honesty in that that I think is really great and why people connect to stories but for you was there ever a time that you were like oh um did you write the book I guess feeling clear about how you felt and so I don't I think that I wasn't fully clear I was processing do you feel like you were processing the book and now that you look back you're like obviously there's a lot of good that came from it helped a lot of people, but felt like, oh, maybe uh, not that I should have kept to myself, but like, yeah, this was a a grand way to process. That's totally. how I feel. Yeah. I'm like, that was a grand way to process. <laughs> Write a book for everyone instead of maybe just my journal. <laughs> it's so funny. I'm so sorry that happened. I, I do. I was especially like that because I, with the first, with the first memoir, I really didn't think, I thought I was not going to live that long. And so (laughs) I did say some things like there was this guy I had this crush on in like, I don't know, the dawn of time. And I had this really obsessive paragraph about how all my journals were like a record of where he was so that my diaries could exonerate him or convict him of a crime. And um, (laughs) and then I, and then I saw him later (laughs) I was like, oh, hey, Colin. Um, <laughs> so I was about that. Yeah. Did, Sorry about that. I think you probably know. <laughs> I, 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 about it was, the thing. It was like Sorry. I just wrote my little love letter and mailed it. <laughs> and so there were some moments like that. Um, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's not walking the plank is sometimes probably as weird as walking it. Yeah. Yeah. But. I think uh, 
that it, it yeah it's like now you've said it you've done it <laughs> then you realize oh that's kind of scary but i think being able to put out something so honest in a way that i hope i hope yeah. allows other people to feel like they can be like especially with your book and like if you ask me, I'm okay, please read this book. Like to yeah. be able to give somebody who maybe can't find the words for how they feel in that moment to be the person that I guess had the courage in the fear of it all to say how it actually feels in this moment. And maybe yeah. it changes. Maybe I get grateful and maybe I'll feel this way. But right now, that's how I feel. Yeah. I think there's something really powerful about putting that into the world and then other people being able to like, have that yeah i think that's what you've done and like what i've found from i love your devotion good enough because i haven't run in a lot of devotions and they make me feel like i should feel a certain way that i don't feel but to be able to read something that feels like i feel right now but there's still this glimmer of hope because i think the hope's important feels really nice because it's not asking too much of me it's not asking too much of me in the time that really sucks. And I think that's really special what you have done and continue to do in your work and why I'm like so grateful to be able to have this conversation with you because you've done great things, but you still don't skip over the parts that people like to skip over on their Instagram feed. And that's <laughs> really you. cool. Because apparently I am no longer incapable. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Uh, I'm I'm having the friction of that. Yeah. Sometimes I just go um, thinking just real life. And I think a lot of people feel like this. It's like, if you're not doing well, that means you should go away uh-huh. during that time and then come back when you're good. But to be able to give the space and the freedom for people and the community for people to say, I'm not good, but I'm still here. And this is how I am. Yeah. I think it's really cool. There should be more of that. Well, I think I really do think you're doing a great job with that. You really I am are trying. I think the but word I'm looking is at you. Authenticity. Yeah. <laughs> and you have it, dear. You really do. Oh, it's so hard. It's the worst. It's yeah, the worst. <laughs> it's much less marketable. Last thing. Last thing. If there's no cure for being human, which shit. <laughs> <laughs> do you have like any re- remedies or some hope for us? That you can give us just anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, great. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I promise. It's all it's all wrapped up. Six step plan. <laughs> yeah. The things I do believe in more than ever. I think I believe in in courage. I think life just takes more courage than I thought it would. Mm-hmm. And that and I, when I don't have it, then we just borrow it from other people. Mm-hmm. So I believe in courage. I believe in hope. I think that beautiful things are in front of us and it is a story that god's telling us and other people who love us and so i am really obsessed with hope and i'm i mostly just really believe in i always say like interdependence but it's just it's just people like i i believe that we're going to end up being carried by other people it's just going to be really inconvenient and it won't be on our schedule and most of those people are not going to be the shiny people that we would have imagined if we could line them all up and mm. select them for their duties they're just but we will be rescued by others so i i do think it's going to be okay it's going to be okay might not be great maybe even better and maybe better tomorrow <laughs> maybe better tomorrow <laughs>
Thank you so much. You're the best. This is awesome. Thank you guys so much for listening to the episode. Better Tomorrow is produced by me, Hannah Brown, and Legos Creative. Our producer is Andrew Stalmer. Our show is recorded, engineered, and edited by the Legos Creative team. Remember to follow Better Tomorrow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss the next episode. And don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps and shows your support. You can follow me on socials at Hannah Brown and you can stay updated on all things Better Tomorrow on our Instagram at Better Tomorrow and our TikTok Better Tomorrow podcast. Some people like to deep clean every Saturday morning. I prefer to spend a few minutes every day keeping things fresh with Lysol. Lysol's toilet bowl cleaner disinfects both the toilet brush and bowl for two-in-one disinfection, killing 99.9% of viruses and bacteria. (sighs) Don't just clean. Lysol clean. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.